All right, so we can get started on a very like mellow Founder Quest After Dark episode. You are in a maze of twisty little passages, all alike. Time to start a fire, crack open a can of tab, and settle in for Founder Quest. So you may not be surprised to hear this, but I've been doing a lot of shopping for electric vehicles this past week. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And there are some new there's some new electric motorcycles and and scooters coming out that are very very tempting. Like there's one in particular, the Sondors model, which is going to be uh, first released near the end of the year, and uh, it's only five thousand bucks, and it has a top speed of like eighty miles per hour. Wow. The battery is not really rated for doing 80 miles per hour very long. Like you're, you're not going to commute for like, you know, 20 miles at that speed. But it's nice to have that, you know, in case you just need to hop on the freeway to get someplace really quick. But yeah, that's only like $60 per mile per hour. <laughs> but I really got my eye on it. And, and my, my wife's not a big fan of the whole motorcycle idea. But I, it, it's, been, it's been there at the back of my mind for years. And, and this year might be the year that I actually get my two-wheel endorsement and you know, do the training course and all that. That would be, yeah, that would be fun. I just didn't want another like combustion-powered vehicle. And so I've been holding off on the whole motorcycle thing until we got electric motorcycles that were like not crazy expensive, but also not just useless because it only has like a battery for five miles worth of range. Yeah. And I think, I think 2021 is the year. Is this going to be like your big, uh, your big, like 2021 post pandemic life change? <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is my midlife crisis. Uh, <laughs> actually, actually buy that motorcycle. I th- you should get a, you should get a, a, a hog though. I could, I could see you like know, a- <laughs> The live wire is really nice. That's that's Harley Davidson's yeah. electric, but it's like thirty thousand dollars, and I just I have I have qualms about spending as much on a motorcycle as I would spend on a car. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe that's not the right way to look at it, but it's just I have problems with that. I'm seeing you with like some of the like those uh with the trike handlebars or whatever. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a chopper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if the electrics have the same like cachet because like I'm trying to. Like I'm trying to figure out if all the Bruce Springsteen songs still apply to like the electric motorcycles. <laughs> like, would you call an electric motorcycle like a suicide machine? <laughs> it seems a little bit too environmentally friendly for that. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not really sure. Ben totally needs an electric chopper. <laughs> He'd be the first. Well, I don't know. So uh, I go, I go on walks. I'm sorry, I go on walks in the morning. And occasionally like an electric car will pass by me because it's, it's Seattle and there's a couple of them and it always feels so sneaky. It feels like they're just sneaking up on me. Cause I just hear this low, like whine just coming. And the next thing I know it's right behind me. It just feels like they're sneaking up on me. Yeah. I, think I don't are. trust that email Elon Musk fellow. <laughs> Eventually you'll them. be just hearing that whine throughout your entire walk. Just, just constantly. Yeah. Yeah, like the state of Washington, we I think they recently passed an, a law that prevents any new combustion-based cars from being sold after 2035. I think that's what it is. Mm. So yeah, the clock is ticking, man. Pretty wild. Are consumers going to go for it? I think so. I think, I think they so. will. But for those who don't know, the reason why it's kind of an inside joke is like I've been, I've been interested in electric-powered vehicles for a very long time. And Star and, and Josh are well aware of 
As having, long as I've known you, yeah. as long as Honey Badger is yeah. in the company. Honey Badger was actually sure. going to be a uh, electrical uh, electric vehicle company initially, and <laughs> then we pivoted. Yeah, we really chose wrong with that one. That was a really bad decision. Yeah. It, it might have required a little more capital than we put into our initial business. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that's oh, my that's week. Been, I've been shopping for yeah. electric bikes all week. <laughs> this has been another one of those weeks where I don't remember like where it all went and what I did, but I know I did a lot. That's sort of the pandemic life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been doing all the contracting stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, you've been doing like the PHP, like the libraries mm-hmm. really had some improvements this week. That's been yeah, really we're cool. almost to zero issues, including yeah, uh, including awesome. enhancements um, and features. So, although I'm, I've got a few that I'm going to be creating. So now we can get on to the fun stuff. You know, like adding adding new things. Uh, speaking of enhancements, we had a really awesome customer just last night, this morning, who sent us a re- uh, request for new functionality in the Ruby gem. Uh, to mm-hmm. be able to uh, notify the API of deployments. And, you know, we didn't have that code in the gym for like a, a Ruby app to use as a consumer. We had a, a command line task for that, but it wasn't exposed as code. And so I wrote back to the customer, I'm like, no, we don't, we don't have that, but I'll create an issue in GitHub. And, you know, if you want to open a PR, wink, wink, go right ahead, you know. <laughs> and like, I woke up this morning and there's the PR. I'm yeah, like, wow. Isn't that great? All right. Yeah, and and he tested it in his app. I'm like, well, that's that's pretty awesome. We have the best customers. We really yeah. do. That's awesome. We should, so why are we paying people again? <laughs> Let's just make it all like community um, community maintained. That, this was a related thread and a couple of tweets going back and forth this week on Twitter and t- people talking about like, well, you know, developers are a terrible terrible market. They don't buy anything. And, you know, a number of entrepreneurs Again? are like, oh, I, I beg to differ. You know, they actually do buy things. And, and yeah. They like, don't buy things, but their employers buy lots of things. <laughs> right. Right. And they, they definitely are interested in, in not spending their time on things if they can realize that there's a way to, you know, get something that's a quality product. And they are the best customers because, you know, when they file those web reports, it's like so easy to, to fix them. It's great. I never get that argument. Like, like we buy a lot of things. Like we do buy, buy things, a lot of things all the time. Yeah, we do buy. A lot. So I wonder if it has to do with like the um, like the age of the developer. Like if you're around like twenty something developers, like early twenty developers age. who don't have jobs. <laughs> like twenty yeah, somethings don't buy, buy anything. I know. <laughs> period. Money, but, <laughs> like I mean, um, they buy like Netflix and iPhones. Yeah, but as soon as they get like a, you know, get one of those sweet startup gigs, like they're buying freaking like $200 fidget spinners. <laughs> Don't they have company issued fidget spinners? Are they working for that sweet startup? I mean, probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like the new, uh, the new like retirement gift, the gold fidget spinner? <laughs> like the, you know, like the gold watch? Yeah, they give it to you when you're 30. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Ouch. One thing I actually did do, I guess I got a little bit of work done this week. I spent some time working on moving our, our stack so that we can more easily have um, Docker containers running it. So, you know, we currently use VMs for everything, but we really want to have an on, on-prem version. And we're, we're most of the way there, but one of the things is we want to make it easy for people to deploy. And so we, we think that Doing so with Docker images is the way to go versus giving some, you know, giving a customer like here's a here's a bunch of Terraform that you can run and spin up a bunch of VMs. I think people will be happier with with Docker images. So 
Uh, I've been moving a lot of our cron jobs from just cron on the box to Sidekick cron, which is an extension to Sidekick, Sidekick that inserts another polar. So Sidekick has a polar, you know, it's running your background jobs and it's like polling on, I don't know, every whatever seconds to see if there are, you know, new things to do and to spin off and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so the Sidekick cron is a gem that adds another polar that looks for cron jobs that you've defined in a, in a particular configuration and then runs uh, sidekick jobs for those things. So I've been converting a bunch of rake tasks to sidekick jobs and it's pretty nice. Uh, I like it. It does, you know, avoid the problem of having multiple boxes running the same cron job at the same time. It does have that, you know, ability, which is the prime thing that we need since we have, you know, clusters of VMs running. And we were using console to coordinate that before. But we, yeah, we needed a solution for inside of a Docker container. And this seems to do the job. That's a good idea. Yeah. Happy. Do recommend. I wonder what else Sidekick can do for us. I don't know. Got to get to wash the dishes. That'd be pretty cool. It already is a lot, doesn't it? I mean, we're kind of, that's kind of like the center of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We use, uh, like, like use Sidekick a, Batch for the, the export jobs because export jobs do a lot of work. And so we split that into a bunch of little jobs and combine them all with a Sidekick Batch. That's been pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Periodic jobs, exclusive jobs. Yeah. It's all good. I guess this has been a pretty boring week. Like I'm, uh, <laughs> Like I've been working on just like writing a bunch of article descriptions, which is like very, it's not very fun to talk about. It's just like, it's kind of boring work, which is why I put it off for so long for so many of these articles. <laughs> and now uh, I, I, for the rest of the podcast, why don't we just have you read them? You just, just oh, go down I'll the list. One, <laughs> I'll share my one life hack though, that I figured out. My life hacks are spelled with a Y. So the thing about publishing an article, the thing about uh, like we pay people to do these articles, right? They give them to me. They're done basically, but then they're, they're not like ready to go on our, our, our blog because our blog uses a static site generator. And so I've got to like, you know, add front matter to them. I've got to write descriptions. I've got to make sure they actually render okay in our, you know, particular version of middle or of uh, markdown that we accept. And all that stuff. And there's like a million steps to this. And so I figured out, I was like, well, one of the things that made me sort of procrastinate on this is because it would just kind of stress me out that I would, I, like I was, I always felt like I was forgetting a step in this or, you know, even if I wasn't forgetting a step, I was worried that I was forgetting a step. So what I eventually did is I made, I just made like a checklist of about 10 items or whatever. And I put that checklist in text expander. And so now when I wanted to like publish an article, I just like do my little text expander snippet. Um, with text expander, you, um, you type in a little keyword into whatever app you're using and it just pastes in um, a predefined mm -hmm. snippet. So I can just be like, you know, do my little keyword and it pastes in this list of 10 things into my to-do list. And then I just check them off as I, as I go through it. And it's so much less stressful doing it. And also the, the other thing that I found um, is really useful about this is that sort of before I had this kind of system in place, when I had to start working on um, one of these article descriptions, I don't know, like it just seemed kind of overwhelming because I would like start with, I would start being like, okay, I've got to read this article. I've got to figure out what it's about, you know, because I have a lot of articles in progress. So I forget the details about individual ones until I'm looking at them. And 
they just kind of seemed overwhelming. But now with this, this process in place, it's like, okay, like all I have to do now is run my image optimization script in that directory. So I can do that. That's a mechanical thing. It's no big deal. It's like, okay, all I need to do now is I need to go fix the markdown lint errors in VS Code or whatever. And it just makes it so much easier to kind of get into it. And by the time I've like done all these mechanical tasks, it's like, oh, I remember what the article is about. And now I can actually write nice. a description. So it kind of is like bootstrapping into this task, which I find kind of useful. That's cool. Yes, that is cool. Have you considered using uh, GitHub Actions for things like, you know, doing the image squishing and stuff like that? Yes, I would definitely like to set up Markdown Lent to run as a GitHub Action, just because like some of this stuff like should really be caught um, at the time that the author pushes it, not by me. But for the image stuff, like, I don't know, like, yes, but also I'm just like, well, I don't know, like, do I, I just don't know if I want that run every time. Like, I, it just seems like there would be some sort of complication there. And so it's just kind of scared me off from it. Mm. Maybe it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But yeah, so the thing I was, I'm getting at is like, okay, if, if like I, would I be interfering with the author if I just like, if they committed an image and they were just working on it and then like suddenly it's like, we compress this for you and change the dimensions of it. It just, I don't know. It seemed like it might get in the way a little bit, but yeah, you can do actions just on like a pull request though. So you could like, while, while the author is working, they're committing and nothing happens. And then when they open the PR, then that action does the squishing. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'll I'm, think about it. I'm just trying to... Image squishing is like, it's relatively easy. Yeah, it's like five seconds of your job. Or you yeah. could just use yeah. like some sort of image squishing CDN. Yeah. Those exist out there, you know. They do them like in you process. Know, I'd rather just run my little image squisher in the terminal because I know that shit works. <laughs> and I know that it's not just going to suddenly stop working randomly on a Wednesday. And then you have handcrafted squished images. I mean, you know... Netlify actually right? has that built into it. I think you might need to use their uh, their file storage service. It's built on top of, uh, I think it's called Git. It's a Git feature, Git large file storage, I think. But basically it's uh -huh. a feature of Git that um, like your platform, like your Git provider can support and GitHub supports it. So it's like a way of basically pushing, like managing large files inside of a Git repository. Because otherwise, like if you ever try to like commit super large files, say like videos or something to uh, just a regular yeah. Git repo, it becomes very hard to manage. And it turns out Git actually has a feature that's uh, specifically for that. But Netlify supports that through. So if you push, I think if you manage your media through that, then you can actually use their, um, they just have like an endpoint that you can use for your images that like um, has parameters where it automatically does the resizing and cropping and um, compression and everything. Kind of like that thing you built at one point, Ben. What was it called? Upload juicer. Juicer, yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. idea. That's really cool. Like, like maybe for a more intensive use case, that would be good. I kind of like that I can just like preview the, you know, the posts with the changed mm -hmm. images. And it's like, I just don't have to worry about it working. It's just, it's, you know, it's very obvious if it, Worked, didn't yeah. work, or whatever. Yeah, I looked into it at one point, and it was a little bit involved to set up, which is why we don't currently have it. Yeah, yeah. Like the image, like if the rest of this whole process could be as easy as the image squishing, <laughs> like I would be, I would be in heaven. <laughs>
You know, um, Melify needs to to have a service that reads the article and writes a um, <laughs> That would be the, you just push it. your, uh, yeah, you push your just general, your title to it and it, and it spits out the rest of the article. <laughs> yeah, they um, just make it, make the whole article. The Markdown uh, text expander process you mentioned, that's useful, like that, that would be a useful process in Notion. Um, I've seen people do similar things like in with their Rome, like notes or like personal knowledge system that, but yeah, yeah like anything there. that supports Markdown um, that will automatically like convert it into task lists or something. Yeah. And you I, know yeah. Something cool. But this is actually very cool. I just like recently discovered it is that text expander can also paste in rich text. So if you want to, like if you use Apple Notes or something and you wanted to do the same process and have it paste in things with actual checkboxes and all that stuff, you can just like copy that stuff out of Apple Notes and paste it into the text expander thing and then tell it use to paste in rich text and it'll do it. That's cool. So it doesn't just have to be Markdown. Yeah. I, like I happen to use Markdown for my daily to-do list, so that's what I use. But like it's actually pretty sweet. Yeah, Ben and I use Alfred. I use use the snippet manager in Alfred, don't you, Ben? You know, or, these days, more often than not, I use the, the built-in keyword expansion in Apple. Oh, do you? In Which, Mac OS, yeah. Oh, okay. Because my needs are pretty simple, typically, yeah. so yeah. I prefer the one in Alfred because I actually, I really don't like the text expansion. Like, I, and Alfred actually has like a, you can do a keyword <laughs> search. So like you can search for just a quick, like, you know, fuzzy find on the snippet you're looking for. So like you can have your snippet library in there and it does support text expansion. Like you can give it a keyword and say, expand this, but it gives you the option not to. And um, I prefer like, yeah, I just don't, I don't like when I'm like typing and I accidentally type the wrong, you know, make a typo and all of a sudden I have a tech, my text expanded. Um, yeah. Or sometimes I don't want to, you know, expand yeah. it. All my all my keyword triggers in macOS have a semicolon as the prefix. Okay, yeah. So I, I can't have any accidental unless I'm mean, typing a random semicolon for some reason. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but at the same time, then I'm like, well, that's like basically my Alfred workflow where I like have a I launch a, you know I do whatever command space for the launcher and then I just find it. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's a couple yeah, extra keystrokes, I'm but. I'm conservative, so I have two semicolons as my. Um, <laughs> it's like a path. So I might like, be writing some JavaScript or something. But I'm never gonna have two of them. It's two <laughs> semicolons and a and a password that you, you change every every couple months. Yeah, <laughs> and as a single use token, you have to, you have to plug in your your security key. Yeah. Exactly. It's two semicolons followed by the MD5 of the current date. <laughs> The thing that's really cool about Text Expander, I used to use it and I loved it. Uh, yeah, me too. Was it's it's not just plain text. You can do like fields and stuff. Like it's mm. pretty advanced. So you can have it like you you expand the text, but it has placeholders for you to go in and fill in some stuff. So you can put in like a name, or it can it can dynamically insert the date, and it can do all kind of crazy cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I used to use it, but then I I ditched it when they moved to their subscription model. So it's just like, this is a utility. I don't want to have to pay yearly for this, which I still think is kind of a valid thing. But, you know, I tried a couple of the alternatives and then I tried this. And I was just like, this is clearly better and it's really not that much per year. So it's like, uh, maybe, yeah, like, like I'll give it a shot. And like, I haven't actually upgraded yet, but I'm thinking I might. Wait, you might pay for something? It's completely <laughs> yeah, out of character. Lots of <laughs> no, lots of developers things. don't buy anything. Come on. <laughs> I have like a lot of paid software on my 
on my Mac, come to think of it. Like, I almost like prefer to pay for it these days. Oh, it's me too. Weird. I, me too. I prefer to pay for it. <laughs> it's like, I know how they're making money that way. Yeah. You know how they're making money. You, you feel like there might be some actual, you know, like they actually care about like proactive support and you know, maintenance and stuff. Not that, you know, just regular open source software can't have good support, but, you know, financial incentive does help. Yeah, it reminds me of that tweet from DHH when they were launching Hey, and someone tweeted like, well, how are they going to monetize it? And his response was, money. We're going to charge yeah. money. <laughs> what? <laughs> Love it. He's, DHH is such a radical. <laughs> yeah. You know, I do admit also one thing I kind of like about Texas Sander is because it's like such a hokey thing that like they've seemed to have like built into some like weird enterprise business. I don't even understand it. Like I, but I kind of like have a little fondness in my heart because it just seems like I don't know. It seems like like some a chip a chipmunk somehow entered the Wimbledon and is winning or something. <laughs> like I, it just makes no sense to me. But I kind of am glad that it's happening. The story with that was that like after you whatever downloaded it and they had your email, they sent you some like enterprise sales like let's hop on a call type email right oh, yeah yeah is yeah. that they what happened like, oh i see somebody else like in the same in the honey badger domain also has an account with yeah. us yeah let's see about how like we can make this work like better for y'all as a team so you're not just like doing individual stuff like it wasn't sleazy or anything yeah. it was a little bit weird and unexpected but i didn't feel dirty by it i was just like i'm sorry i'm just using this by myself so you're not going to sell this like to my team yeah, and it's interesting like, okay, though. Bye. Yeah, yeah. I, I added that email to my swipe file for when I start doing that for oh, okay, honey badger yeah. customers. Yeah, yeah, it seems like something along the lines of what we could do is like I think it's interesting that they identified that I didn't. I, I forgot that they had like pointed out that someone else at the team had it. So like, if you look for like flags, basically, you know, to, to figure out who you actually should reach out to and who you shouldn't. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's much better than you know just scraping the email addresses out of our documentation site and spamming us. Like so, <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're actually like ethically emailing people for sales leads. I think you know. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, though, I was I, I had a great conversation with a mentor this week talking about uh, sales and growth and and things to do, and 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 he gave me a bunch of great advice. But on the one hand, like I was kind of embarrassed, like because he was. Ex sharing some things that are pretty basic, kind of like table stakes for SaaS. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we could do better at that. Like, oh, we don't have it all. You know, we don't have all of our ducks in a row. And, but on the other hand, like going over the numbers, like the business is great, you know? And, he, and like, as far as our revenues and uh, our ARPU and our LTV and, you know, all those things that you want to measure, all, all those numbers are good for us. And uh, so it's like, well, you know, you've done really well so far. If you continue to do what you've been doing and you add these other things that can improve on, well, then great, right? Yeah, that's, even better, that's what I've know? been thinking. Yeah, like So I left that conversation like much more hopeful and, and enthused and excited than, I, than going into it. So that was a good, good time. So I guess the yeah. moral of the story is find a mentor and, and talk to that person every now and then. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking earlier this week that like if there is a risk in us, like because we all tend to get impatient from time to time and be like, you know, one of us will it happens like pretty it seems seems like it's kind of predictable every so yeah. often one of us gets the like the bug. It's like, OK, right. I'm going to I got to just like go and like just, you know, burn out on this <laughs> and 
and I think that, you know, it's good to like get inspired and like want to go and like try, try new things and try to like, you know, move the needle. But the, if there is a risk to that, it's besides like the obvious, like just, you know, you're, you don't want to burn out is that if you distract, get distracted from the things that are actually working and like stop doing something just so you can go and, you know, try to do some big, you know, look for some like big growth event or outcome. You know, I think we want to make sure we don't stop doing what's work, you know, what is working. We want to be consistent and systematic with that and look for new things to try that we haven't done before. Yeah. Which is a great argument for, you know, building those systems like we've been doing. Yeah. Things that run themselves. Yeah. Once you have that content system running like Star has, then you don't have to put a lot of effort that then you can go and look at those other things that you also want to do without dropping without worrying. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's like. How do you totally. juggle? <laughs> How do you keep adding <laughs> adding balls to juggle? Right. Yeah, that was the reason for doing the the third party blog stuff in the first place. Is just like because like one of us would start blogging or I would start blogging, and then it's like, oh, I have to go do something else. Okay, the, no new blog posts for a couple months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then it's like I feel all guilty about that. And but you know, it's like I think there's this temptation to to be like, well, like. I can do everything myself as well as like a team of full-time people working somewhere else could do. You know, I, I think there's that. I mean, I know I feel that temptation. And so I have to like remind myself that it's like, no, like I actually like do have limits to the amount of time and energy I have. And Yeah. I think the other temptation is to just hire someone to do it. Right. Like, oh, this thing yeah. needs to be done. I don't have time to do it. So I'm going to hire someone to do it. And then all of a sudden you turn around, you've got a hundred people working at for you. And yeah, you can do everything, you know, everything, uh, that like another, a team of 20 people in a, in a normal company do, you can can only, you can only do it. You can only do everything one at a time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can do it like yeah. one time slower. <laughs> right. <laughs> and probably not as well because like your expertise is spread pretty thin at that point. Yeah. That's the slow growth approach to business. It's, you know, it's, it's, very it's ecologically sound because it's maintainable, right? Oh my God. <laughs> it's because it's, because it's self-defeating. This is, <laughs> this is, I've got a funny story. So like with regard to like the stock market and all this, like basically all my life I've been like a perma bear. I've just been like, things are too wild. Like things are getting too crazy. And like, it just like keeps rising. And so recently in the past month or so, I was just like, you know, I did not jump on the whole like GameStop bandwagon. Like I'm not going to throw my money at that because I that's just seems like a disaster waiting to happen. But it did kind of like pique my interest and be like, I would like to actually understand how all this stuff works. And so I've been just kind of at night, I've just kind of been reading books, you know, because like up until now, I've just been a very like, you know, I'm just going to put all my money in index fund, just forget about it. I also, like I read like thing about value investing a couple of years ago. And then I tried to look at like companies like 10, K10s or 10Ks or whatever they're called. And eventually I was just like, this is just an insane amount of work. And also I'm like, how am I going to get better at this? Cause I don't know if I'm right for like five years. <laughs> and so I just kind of gave that up. But anyway, so I was like, okay, so the past, the past month or so, I've just been kind of keeping an eye on things daily being like, okay, like maybe as I learn stuff, maybe I'll start trying some individual stock investments. And then it's the moment I do that, the market just crashes. <laughs> 
So I am, I think, the most accurate contrarian indicator in existence. <laughs> Um, so when Star starts, you know. it, when starts investing, it's time to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let y'all know when I lose interest, and then you'll know things are about to just take off. Cool. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> keep keep a surprise on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you it's you're reading books and not just asking your random Twitter followers though for for investing advice. That's that sounds like a pretty uh, dangerous strategy. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, like I've talked before about how I just love like looking at charts and stuff. And I don't know why I didn't figure this out before, but like the stock market is just full <laughs> of all the charts you could ever look at. You just at. get to look at charts. That's your job. Like that's literally the job. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, look, it's looking at charts and be like, oh, I wonder what's happening here. And then just kind of like, I don't even, I mean, yes, like I would like to be able to retire one day, but like that's the motivating factor here is just like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Oh, no, no, no. That's the best the best reason about retiring on stocks is that you get to retire to your charts just to look at them all day. That's what you do in retirement. Oh my God. So if you, that you know, like heaven, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and imagine you could, you know, you could have like the eight, you know, eight monitor array eventually at your desk for you know, like monitoring different terminal. exchanges. Yeah. No, I, I think I go the other way. Like I'm going to be like one of those people with a graph paper who like, <laughs> takes the price every day out of the newspaper uh -huh. and like writes it into the cell of their graph paper. Nice. Old school. Um, but it's pr been pretty interesting. I've been reading some books about, like I've been reading like one, one book by this really famous trader in the, the 20s, 30s. And he's like describing his system for, uh, for sort of identifying pivot points and stuff in the market. And like it's, nowadays most people just use a chart because it's the easiest way. But this way is actually sort of like writing down numbers and keeping track of them and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is basically, this is a state machine. This guy is like, this guy's describing a state machine in very clum, like very clumsily and very like, if it was, a, if we were actually writing this out as a program, it would be terrible code. But it's like, he's actually describing a state machine. So it's, it's pretty neat. So it's like, yeah, it's like if, you know. You have today's prize, you have yesterday's prize. If this condition is true, like, you know, then the state changes from, you know, upturn to downturn or, you know, ordinary correction. Or, I mean, he had like this list of like, I think eight states or something. That's really cool. It'd be fun if you actually made that into a program and then, you know, wrote a blog post about it. That'd be pretty, I'd, I'd read that. Yeah, yeah. It seems like there's much easier ways to, to go about things these days, but. Well, well sure, but, you know, it's, it'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, it's called the, I think, the Livermore Market Key. I think people actually have written um, blog posts about it, but they sort of did it overlaying it onto charts or something. So it's not quite the same. Yeah, I want to see it in Ruby. Yeah. But first you have to make a DSL for doing stock market-based state machines. Then you can write your Oh, that's program. the Ruby way. That's the Ruby <laughs> way. There you go. To be honest, I actually, like, I started to translate it into kind of like pseudocode Ruby. And then I was just like, this is just so, like, this is so spaghetti. It's really hard for me to follow. And so it's like, I'm not even sure I just want to go there because, like, it wasn't just, like, it's describing a pretty simple thing, but it's got so many, like, it describes it in like 28 steps and each of them has like five sub steps and they're all like spread out. So it's really hard to like make sure that you've got all the different sort of conditions. So did you place. try to use a state machine library? Because that's uh, it sounds like oh the that was my problem. That was my problem. <laughs> that's yeah. the use case. <laughs> that was my problem. 
Yeah, I forgot there's a gym for that or more than one. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> I was trying to roll my own. Uh, Doesn't the financial industry, the, isn't like Python or is that the more popular? What do they use for uh, like, what's the popular language in like finance, like fintech? Probably Python it, for like yeah, or, or like C, not, probably, well, probably like not C, but like C++ for like. Maybe they're moving know, to Rust. All the weird. Like, like what do the high frequency traders high frequency, use? Yeah. Oh, they, they probably use C++. You think? Yeah. Or Rust or something. Yeah. So you gotta, yeah. Well, it, I think it would be a fun project to go back like to the beginning of the stock market and take every single like person's person who wrote a book that had like their own theory of investing and like code a uh, trading algorithm from it and then run them all in parallel and see which one wins. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, they're not giving like, le- they're not like giving me- necessarily mechanical things. They're like, no. like here's, <laughs> it's like, so this, they're like, this feature should alert you and then you should like look at these other factors and make a decision. It's not just uh, like, you know. Okay. So if, yeah. So just like get like a machine, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning thing and just have it read the books and then oh, let, let those, let yeah. those do the trading. I'll use the AWS one. And we'll see what happens. Cause isn't that basically what high frequency trading is these days? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure high frequency trading is that like essentially do they, do they know what's going on anymore? No. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there is a, um, I forget what it's called, but there's, ah, it's like, it's not trading view. That's just a, tra- anyway, it's, um, there is like an actual place where you can go and sign up and you can like develop your own like algorithmic or trading algorithms and the it's basically like your code will be hosted on this company's servers and will be fed in like the data as it comes in mm. and um and you can actually sort of trade algorithmically and then if you um like if your algorithm has to actually produces profits and can do that in a scalable way then they um they will actually license it as a black box to hedge funds and people who have actual money. And I don't know how much like these people pay for these algorithms, but um, hmm. it's, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. It's not, it's like, it's, it's a little bit more intense than I am personally like up for. Like, yeah. I think I'm more like the, more like a daily or weekly chart type of person. I'm not really like a, give me second by second stuff to feed into my AI. They, they, re- they really love their like black boxes in uh in fintech it seems and like dark exchanges and oh, like they yeah. just they just want it all to be completely uh opaque well no i mean that's that's just because um well that's for the the author's like benefit right because like you don't want to actually tell the people your algorithm because then they'll just use it they'll yeah. steal it from you that's true but i don't know it'd be an interesting hobby this is why there's no like open source trading algorithms. <sighs> anyway, it seems like we're about tapped out for topics, so maybe we should wrap it. Sounds good. All right, this has been Founder Quest. Um, if you want, go and write us a review, and we will talk to you next week. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Ani Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word. 
where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.